Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. But uh, whether it's football you like or cricket you like, you may have noticed if you're actually there at the ground or there at the game live, you'll see the logos on the grass all elongated. It's, it's weird. Why are those logos all stretched out? It looks weird when you're at the ground. And the reason is because they were never be meant to be viewed at the ground. That's for television. Yeah. The perspective you get from television is why it's elongated, because on TV, the uh, angles make it in proportion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, there is a 15th century artist called Filipino Lippi. Ever say Filipino Lippi? And uh, he painted a picture of Mary, of baby Jesus, and of the saints Jerome and Dominique. And uh, I have a picture of it behind me. And it, if you view it straight on, the proportions don't so quite seem correct. And for many, many years, art critics pointed that out. They would acknowledge the composition, they would acknowledge the colour, the artistry and all the rest of it. But when it came to the proportions, they were a, a little concerned. And it wasn't until a man by the name of Robert Cumming, an art critic, realised the painting was never meant to be hung in a gallery. It was painted as an aid to prayer. And it was meant to be viewed on your knees. And when Robert Cumming dropped to his knees and looked up at the painting, everything went into proper perspective. Just like those logos on the ground, when you're watching it from television, it gets the proper perspective. This painting was never meant to be hung in a gallery and viewed front on. It was an aid to prayer. And it was only from the position of prayer that you got this painting in its proper perspective. And I can't help but think that we often make the same mistake when we try and compare life from our perspective instead of God's perspective. When we try and understand what on earth is going on from our perspective, it never looks quite right. But it's only when we try our best to view things from God's perspective that we get some understanding. And the only way we're ever going to view things from God's perspective is on our knees in prayer, looking up. And so this new series we are starting today, it's a mini series and it's just called Prayer's Perspective. And today, the subtitle of my message is Hide and Seek. Everyone say hide and seek. Hide and seek. Hopefully that will make sense as we go along. But prayer in its simplest form is really just talking to God. It's going to God for His perspective at all times and in all things. And if we're honest, we're not that good at it. We tend to go to other things. They say that you should never write a message with a certain somebody in mind. Well, today I did that. But that certain someone is me. In putting this message together, as with all of my messages, I, I am up front and centre, a work in progress. So if you struggle with anything I share today, 
know that I'm struggling with you and that the struggle is real. Can I get an amen? Psalm 32 verse 7, it says, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I, I love this particular psalm. It's written by King David. And it was written after he had an adulterous affair with Bathsheba and put one of his best soldiers to death as a result of putting him into battle and then withdrawing his men so he was left all alone to die. Not a, not a good thing to do. But David's response was, you are my hiding place. Which is a stark contrast to Adam and Eve when they messed up. When they sinned in the garden, they went off and hid behind a bush. And what I know about human nature is when we do something wrong, we always go into hiding. You will always hide. And the question is, do you know where you hide when you've done something you know you shouldn't have? Something that's not going to please your wife, something that's not going to please your husband or your children or the family, friends, or, and most importantly, God himself. Adam and Eve went behind a bush, but maybe for some of you, you go to work. You just, you just busy yourself. Maybe it's in, in, in extra contracts, it's in, in extra customers, or, or, or maybe if you're a stay-at-home mum, it's just extra cleaning. We've just got to wash those dishes, and we've got to wash those clothes, and we've got to mow that lawn, and we've got to pick those trees, whatever it is. And, and we hide behind our busyness of work. Or maybe for some, you hide behind pleasure. You're a pleasure seeker. And instead of facing the harsh realities of our sin and our mistakes, we just, we're just looking for the next fun thing to do. Let's buy a new car. Let's buy a new home. Let's buy a new this. Let's buy a new that. Let's just go here. Let's go there. Let's do something. It's our hiding place. Maybe it's just comfort you seek in your hiding place. You're going to hide in comfort. Maybe it's suppressants. Or maybe it's stimulants. Whatever it is, we're all in the same boat. And what we tend to do is judge people based on how they hide. But my hiding place is okay, but their hide, I can't believe it, they've taken to drugs. <gasps> As we're busying ourselves doing all these kinds of things. And the reality is, David had a revelation that God should be our hiding place. We shouldn't go to other things. We should go to Him. You are my hiding place. And with this in mind, I want to look at one of David's prayers that is so raw, so real, and so courageous that it will hopefully encourage us this morning along with challenging us this morning because I believe this is a game-changing prayer. One that we can learn from and put it into practice. And it's found in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. David says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. When David wrote this, it was at a time where his enemies were accusing him of wrong motives. Have you ever been accused of anything? Have you ever been accused of your motives being wrong and malicious? Well, that was what was happening to David when he wrote this. And instead of justifying himself, as we often try to do, David goes to God in prayer. This prayer is giving God permission to seek out the hidden things in life. The word search simply means to try to find something by looking or otherwise seeking carefully and thoroughly. I remember when our kids were much younger and we'd play the game hide and seek. And I imagine everyone in this room has played hide and seek. Whether you were the seeker or the hider, you know the game that I'm talking about. But when our kids were much younger, it always surprised me and always brought a smile to my face as I would count to 10 while they went off and hid. And after counting to 10 really slowly to give them plenty of time to hide in the best possible position, I would always smile how badly they hid. And so after counting one, two, three, get ready, I'll be coming soon. Find a good hiding place for we get up to 10 and I'd open my eyes saying, coming, ready or not. And inevitably, there'd be our kids doing this. <laughs> I won't mention which child. Let's put it down to all three. And invariably, it wasn't too hard to find them. And I'd kind of try and drag it out a little bit longer, but oh, I wonder if you're over here. I wonder if you're over there. And as I'm getting closer to them, this is what they would do. <laughs> they would close their eyes thinking that because they couldn't see me, I couldn't see them. And we laugh and we joke with those kids. But here we are today, many years later, our kids are adults and, and, and the majority in this room are adults. And can I bring that loving challenge that as adults, we do the same thing. We close our eyes and turn a blind eye to the things we do wrong, thinking that God won't see it. And we try to hide in other ways than going to Him as our hiding place. I want to share a story I haven't shared for a long time, but on our 16th anniversary as a church, I shared a message that I really liked. And I called it, God I love, it's people I can't stand. And I knew it was a title that would get everyone's attention because everyone can relate to that because God's easy to love people. Man, not so much. But because of the response I got when I mentioned what I'm going to talk about, I kind of 
I kind of got, I don't know, I don't know if I was just being naughty. I don't know if I was just in a fun, loving mood. I don't know if, if you dragged the worst out of me as a congregation, I'm not sure. But I said, oh, do you want to know what I was really going to call it? And then I started to elaborate on the title I was going to call it in that moment when you're at home just preparing and thinking silly thoughts. And in the title, I used a word that I shouldn't use from this pulpit. And the weird thing is, everyone laughed. Everyone loved, you know, to my knowledge, everyone loved it. And I'm like, woohoo! But I felt this, uh-uh, from God. But now I've got to preach the whole message. And I'm feeling this, uh, uh-uh. So I start preaching this message and I keep myself busy because I'm just hiding. I'm hiding from God while I'm preaching about God. It's pathetic. And then I, I know God wants to address this moment that got the better of me. And so you know what I did? I'd like to tell you, I went like David and said, God, you are my hiding place. I just didn't. I just, got, I just busied myself, which is what I tend to do for my hiding place. And so I, I started making all these phone calls to people on Sunday afternoon, which I never do. And people were ringing up and saying, hi. <laughs> yeah. I said, ah, oh, just ringing and just say, I love you, appreciate you. And I said, thanks. This is random for Tony to make these kind of phone calls. And I made lots of phone calls that afternoon. Just, God, and one of them I say, God, I love you people. Oh, I'm just doing, and I, and I know God wants to speak to me. But I don't want to speak to him because I know what he's going to speak to me about. So I'd rather tell people I love them. I'm trying to just get favour. I'm just trying to get people on my side, let them think I'm an awesome pastor. And I just kept busy. And then I had to preach at night. So that was great because I had to busy myself there. So I preached the message at night. That went well, I think. <laughs> Can't remember, it's a bit of a blur. It's a bit numb, to be honest. And did all the niceties after church. And then I got home. Anyone want a cup of tea? Cup of tea? Yep, you want a cup of tea? I'll make cook dinner tonight. I'll, I'll just busy, 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 busy. And then I'm lying in bed. And as I'm lying in bed, I, I, I feel Holy Spirit just like, can we talk now? You ready to talk now? Uh, not really. But go on. And, and, and I, I felt gutted. And instead of hiding behind business, I just went to God as my hiding place. And I just let Him have it. And gave what I was carrying to Him. And I was very repentant, very remorseful. But started to think, man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I just keep seemingly letting Him down, letting me down, letting the church down. And God in His grace, I'll never forget it. No sooner had I just poured and purged myself to Him, I felt God say, you're right. And I'm like in the middle of, I'm this and I can't do it anymore and I've got too much blood on my hands. And He goes, yeah, you're right. And then I felt Him say, but let's have an exchange. Your blood for my blood. And then I just felt this incredible peace and freedom and joy. And then I couldn't wait for next Sunday. One, so that I could apologise to the church. Two, that I could share this incredible divine encounter 
And we had one of the most special communion moments we've had probably in the history of the church out of something I did that was so dumb. And I never would have got to that place if I just stayed in my hiding place of busyness. But it wasn't until I went to him as my hiding place. Because the reality is we can't hide from him. We serve an omnipresent God. Psalm 139 verse 7 goes on to say, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, guess what? You're there. And if I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. So let's just dissect real quickly and then we're done. David's prayer. The first thing he prays is this, search my heart. Search my heart. And and this prayer, if we're honest, may seem strange to you and me. Why? Because after all, doesn't God know my heart? So if God knows my heart, ever heard that saying, oh, God knows my heart. Well, if God knows my heart, why do I have to have him search my heart? Or maybe some of think, well, why would I do that? Because my heart's good. I have a good heart. I think most people think we have a good heart. But Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says, The heart is, deceitfully, uh, sorry, is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. According to Scripture, the truth is that our heart isn't as good as we think it is. We all deceive people. Who likes being deceived? Nobody. But the question is not, whether you like being deceived or not. The question is, are you aware when you deceive people? Because we all do it. Yeah. On top of that, we're all liars. So I'm not a liar. Well, anyone who would say that, I would say, you've just lied. Because we all do it. We all do it. And, and one of the greatest lies is the lies that we tell ourselves. It might be, I I don't eat that much. A liar. I'm only going to eat one chocolate. Who's ever said that? And then stared at an empty chocolate box. what, What happened? Have we got mice? Like I said, I I prepared this message for me, so you're you're safe. I don't last. I just appreciate a great physique. I don't gossip. I just believe in praying more specifically. <laughs> Even the prayer meeting, someone's praying, oh, you're giving away way too much information here. <laughs> that thing you're praying for, I don't need to know all that information. We are just great at deceiving ourselves and lying to ourselves. It's just human nature. But when we pray this prayer, He'll show us things in our life that are not pure. And that's why we need courage. 
Secondly, he says, search my head. Not only does he say, search my heart, he says, search my head. Test me and know my anxious thoughts, he says. In other words, you can have an anxious thought without having anxiety. This world loves to label our imperfections instead of giving them to God. And as a result, we tend to take a pill before we take it to prayer. Now, I'm not against medication. I thank God for the advancements in technology and medicine to help us. But that should be a last resort, not a first resort. Our first resort should be prayer. We should seek God first and take our anxious thoughts to Him. Not try and find a hiding place in other things. So what makes us anxious? It's what we consistently think about. What's your greatest fear? Is it of losing a job? Not getting married? The future? Is it a failing? You see, what we fear the most is where we trust the least. And that's what God is trying to get us and our attention on. Whatever we worry about, whatever we're anxious about is where we're trusting Him least. And God actually wants us to help us in that area that we struggle to trust. And David understood this. And the good news is, whatever it is we fear, there is no fear in love, it says in 1 John 4, 18. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. God wants to invade our world, invade our lives and and, and let us experience His love so much that it just forces out the fear that we have. The third thing David says is search my hurts. See if there's any offensive way in me. In other words, show me anything about my life that is inconsistent with your truth. What I know about my life and what I know about humanity is it's hard to see our own sins at the best of times. It's near on impossible when we're hurt. But I know this to be true. It's always easy to see other people's sins. Have you noticed that? See, we tend to excuse Uh, sorry, accuse others and excuse ourselves. When we're looking at other people's sins, I can't believe they did that. But we justify ours and say, well, that's because I was tired. Well, Well, maybe that person was tired. And so David is praying a very raw and real prayer. Search my hurts. Where am I hurt? He's giving God permission to point out any sin in his heart. And so some good questions for us to help us in this area is to ask questions like, what are others trying to tell you? People who love you. People who are in your world. What are they saying? Not just anyone, but the the few people in your world that love you and know you better than anyone else. What are they saying? What do I rationalise for some time? In other words, oh, it's no big deal. What do we say? Oh, it's no big deal. 
It's not a big deal. Where am I most defensive? Have you ever had someone bring something up in your life and say, I don't want to talk about it. It's not true. These are the things that David was saying, God, if there's any of that in me, I want to know. This is a game-changing prayer. See, to not, uh, so to, not, to not deny the truth doesn't mean, so when we deny the truth, it doesn't mean it's not true. It just means we're not prepared to look at it. It's only when we submit to God and what he's showing us and when we bring it into the light that we find the breakthroughs. And I've said this many times before, when it comes to confession, we confess at two levels. One is to God, and when we confess our sins to him, we get forgiveness. When we confess our sins to others, we get healings in the relationship. Which brings me to the last point. If the band can come up, that'd be great. He goes on to say this, be my help. Lead me in the way everlasting, he says. In other words, in the light of all my inadequacies, my impatience, or my people-pleasing, you fill in the blanks, whatever it is for you. It points to Jesus and our need for his grace. We need his help. That's why David was able to say, you're my hiding place because you're the only one who can actually help me. The question is, are we going to receive that grace? And like I found when I was lying in bed that night after keeping myself busy all day, having said something in church AM service that I shouldn't have said, when I actually went to God and gave it to Him, I received something that was so beautiful, so powerful. It's called His grace. Something I didn't deserve, but He gave it anyway. Because when we confess our sins and when we own our mistakes and when we stop blaming and when we stop running and when we stop hiding in other places, in other things, there's grace available. And He wants to lavish His grace upon us. He wants us to feel His love. He wants us to feel His forgiveness. That joy might come again. That peace might come again. But grace is something that we have to receive. And in Jonah chapter 2 verse 8, it says, those that cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace of God that could be theirs. And so the question is, what are we holding on to that's stopping us receiving the grace? Is that unforgiveness? Is that pride? Is that hurt? Is that your perspective? Because the thing about all of those things, there'll be a measure of truth in whatever it is. In your pride and in your arrogance and in your complaint, 
And in your excuse, there'll be a measure of truth to that. But it's going to be a truth that holds you bound. But Jesus said it's the truth, not a truth, but the truth that will set you free. And so in order for us to experience freedom, we have to confess what the truth is, not just my truth. Because confession means to say the same thing as what God is saying. And so if God is saying that is sin and you need to apologise and repent, then that's what we have to do. And it may seem tough, it may seem unfair, it may seem unkind, it may seem brutal, it may not feel nice. But God is thinking beyond those feelings to the place where you'll receive freedom again. Because when you live in freedom, that's where the hope comes back. That's where the joy comes back. That's where the love comes back. That's where the laughter comes back. That's where the lightness comes back. And so today, we have this incredible privilege as we just unpack this first week of what it is to pray and the perspective we receive when we pray. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. That picture that was painted that looked a little bit weird straight on got its perspective on its knees. And your life will have more perspective when you see it through the eyes of prayer. Your life will make more sense when we look up instead of look at the problem. My life will look better and make more sense when I look up than just look at the problem. Psalmer says, look to the hills from where your help comes from. Look to the hills, look to Him. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. If you'd like to know more about Life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.